an intimate relationship. That's what God wants from all of us. You know, He just doesn't want our money. He just doesn't want our, our service. He just doesn't want something for us to do for Him. He wants a relationship with us. Uh, we've been studying the book of James, and I hope y'all have enjoyed this study. I really have. The book of James is so practical. Um, as we talked about many weeks ago, we said that the book of James, that the big idea, the main point out of the book of James is this. That a faith that doesn't make itself visible is useless. A faith that doesn't make itself visible is useless. James, James's whole concern is for us, this invisible faith, to seat down and to permeate every area of our life. James really doesn't get into, hey, you got to believe this and this and a whole lot of doctrines and theology and all that stuff. That's not what he's about. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he is concerned about one thing, and that is this invisible faith that's inside of us needs to eventually grow some shoe leather. And it needs to act itself out. Last week, one of the things we talked about at the beginning of James chapter 4 was this. Was when we, that we all have a two-year-old living inside of us. And we experience conflict when we choose to act independently of God. When we plan independently of God. When we follow our plans and not His plans. Um, that, That big idea that we learned last week... We're going to build upon today. And i got to be honest with you. I told you last week I didn't want to preach that sermon last Sunday. Because I really wanted to preach this sermon this Sunday. I'm excited about this one. Last week, not so much. But here's the thing. God's word is all perfect. It is all truth. And sometimes even when I don't like it, you know. Many times, in fact, maybe the reason why I don't like it is because God is dealing with me in some areas. And I'm like, ooh, that, um, that hits a little bit too close to home. But today, I love what we're going to be talking about because it's building on what we talked about last week. That we experience conflict when we act independently from God and follow our own desires. Building on that, we're going to talk about... Our natural tendency to want to go independent from God in our business. In our business. On our jobs. Now, I know some of you, you're already thinking, okay, Chris. You know, I don't mind talking about eternity. I don't mind talking about heaven. Because I expect that when I come to a church. But don't start talking about jobs. Don't start talking about business. Because that's just not God's forte. Your pushback, some of you, you know what? You, you see a natural divide, a natural dichotomy between what happens here on Sunday morning and what happens on your job Monday through Friday. In fact, most people, as they're thinking through jobs and business, they're like, okay, I'm going to trust God with my Sunday life. But Monday through Friday, I live in the real world. And the Christianity church spiritual stuff won't work on my job. It only works on Sunday morning. And on Monday through Friday, I'm in the real world. Really, the pushback is, you know, this stuff works great with church. It works great maybe in our home. But when it comes to the just us filling quotas on our job, when it, when, it, when it works on how to run my business, 
Or how do I make a profit? When, you know, how do I, okay, I got a small business out of my home. Or maybe you're in the military. And, you know, it, it, you know and I, I, all the military guys I've talked to, every one of them, they said, you know, I, it's really hard being a Christian while being in the military. And it, it's hard, and it's, it's, sometimes it's easy just to divorce those two and say, church, spirituality stuff works on Sundays, but it doesn't work through the rest of the week. Spiritual stuff works on spiritual things, but it doesn't work on the unspiritual stuff like how I get a raise, how I treat my employer. The thing that we're going to drive deep this morning is this. James is going to tell us that every area of our life is spiritual. Every area. You see, we put these uh, natural uh, boxes on our calendars and we say, okay, Sunday, God's day. In fact, some even people even call it the Lord's day, right? And then Monday through Saturday, we don't say that. So we just say in our minds, well, that's our day, Right? But what James is going to be talking about here is that every area of our life, even our jobs, even in how to make a profit, even in finance, even how to, um, to work in a company or in a factory, that if you have a real faith, it's going to seep down and permeate every area of your life, even the way you do business and how you plan. And James is really going to say, okay... <laughs> Help me with this. James is asking the question, you trust me with your eternity, but you don't trust me with your job? Does that make any sense? James is going to ask. And we're going to be at the end of the day kind of scratching our heads going, you know, that doesn't really make any sense. All right. James chapter 4, verse 13. Um Many of you, some of you really know these verses. So I'm going to read them out of a a paraphrase called the message. And then we're going to be getting into a translation. Paraphrase, this is what it says. And now I have a word for you who brashly announce. Today, at the latest, tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a, what's that word? Wisp. Of fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we're going to do this or that. As it is, you are full of your own grandiose selves. All such vaunting self-importance is evil. Last verse. In fact, if you don't know the right thing to do and you don't do it, for you, it, it is evil. Now, James is very practical. Very practical. And the stuff that we learned last Sunday, he's going to push it down into the areas of business and finance and planning. And some of you are going, well, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Let me tell you, you probably work harder than all of us. Anybody want to agree with me on that? All right. Um, And I'm so thankful for you. I had a mom that stayed at home and worked with me, and she will tell you to this day, I needed a lot of help. All right? That was supposed to have been funny. All right, verse 13 of James chapter 4, all right? This is what it says. Now, remember, last week, conflict comes when we work independently from God and follow our own plans. Verse 13, look here, you who say, 
Today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and we will make a profit. James is talking about business and planning. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. My plan is this. I'm going to go to this city. I'm going to go there for one year. I have a plan that I'm going to cut this deal. I'm going to stay there for this long a time. And then I'm going to come back with my profit. That's my plan. Now what James is saying is if you plan that way, you are planning independently from God. Now, the reason why is there are a whole lot of eyes and mys in that plan. And we talked a lot about this last week. We looked at the first three verses of James chapter 4. And in those first three verses, does anybody remember how many times you showed up? Fifteen times you shows up. And here we got my plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. The problem with this plan is that it mentions nothing of God's name. It never talks about God's agenda. God has nothing to do with your plan. That's your plan, but God has nothing to do and he's not a part of that. Now, let me tell you what James doesn't, it's not talking bad about here. James is not saying it's wrong to make a profit. James is not saying it's wrong to even dream and even have a plan. James is not saying it's, it, that it's wrong to want to be the best in your business field or be the best business person or be the best photographer or be the best teacher or be the best whatever, be the best soldier, to be the best soldier's wife, to be the best soldier's husband, to be the best. You just, it, 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 that's not what James is talking about here. That's not the pushback. What he's pushing back at is this, that you have not included God in your plan. That's the problem here. James is saying, you've done all this talking. You've just, you've just outlined all of this stuff, and you have not mentioned God's name once. And you say that you're a Christ follower. You say that God is the most important person in your life. Yet you bring all of these plans to the table and you never even mention God's name once. In fact, you said for a year that you have worked out a time frame for the next 12 months, the next 365 days, you've not included God in. Now, I don't know about you. But I have worked that way with God before. I have let an entire year go by where I've really not even thought too much about God. Is there anybody else besides me that struggled with this? That sometimes, you know, say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it next week. And I'm going to make God's priority my priority next week. And we keep on procrastinating and we never ever get to what's important to God. And by doing so, we make plans that are independent from God, and now we have conflict with God. That's what he's saying. It would be like, how many of y'all in here are married? It would be like telling your mate, um, hey, honey, um, let me tell you what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy a car, and I'm going to buy this type of car, and this type of color, and I'm going to go on this vacation at this time, and, uh, and then uh, at this, uh, I'm actually going to purchase this thing for me. What would your spouse say? Are you serious? And I'm going to kill you. 
right? Because if I told that to my wife, there would be a pool of blood, a very large one. And you know, the reason why is because I've not included her in my plans. And she is the most important person on this earth to me. See, that's the pushback that God's having. I am the most important person in your world, and you're not including me in your 12-month plan. And God is frustrated about this because we act as God when we do that. In fact, our big idea, our one point today is this. When we make plans independent from God, we act like we're God. Let's all say this together. When we make plans independent from God, we act as if we are God. James is saying when you talk that way, you are talking like you're God. You're the head honcho. You know why? Because only God knows what is going to happen tomorrow. In fact, only God knows what's going to happen tonight, right? Only God knows what's going to happen at 12 o'clock today. All we can talk about is what we would hope to do. I don't know about you, but every Monday morning when I go into our church offices, I I, I make me a list because a lot of stuff needs to be done. And I'll make this list. This is my plan. I got to be honest with you. I think the two years one church has been in existence, I have never got through my list. You know why? Because that's many times what I'm hoping to do, but something will happen. Somebody will come in, a a need will arise, and I can't do what I want to do. I have to do what sometimes God wants me to do or what other people want me to do. And I'm just like, you know, this needs to be done. I know God wants us done because Sunday's always coming. I got to get a sermon, right? So as I'm struggling through this, but that's what I hope. But sometimes I can't even do what I hope to do. Anybody else that you're like, I want to do this and I can't even get that done because the kids won't stop screaming. Or I got this dude at work who is just, he is, he doesn't know, he doesn't know anything about what he's doing and I have to come behind him and I can't get what I need. See, we can't say we're going to do this because we can only hope to do it. We act independent when we say, I'm going to do this. Look at this. Verse 13. Look here, who you, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town, that's travel, and we'll stay there a year. That's time. We're going to do business. That's a career. And we're going to make a profit. That's economics. You know what he's saying? Usually, all of those things I just said, economics, travel, business, career, we just leave God out of those decisions. And what the point of James is saying is every one of those decisions is a spiritual decision. Every one of them. How you treat your customers is a spiritual decision. How you treat your employees is a spiritual decision. How you treat your soldiers is a spiritual decision. How you treat your boss, how you disrespect him, how you talk behind his or her back is a spiritual decision. That's what James is saying. He's saying every decision in life is a spiritual decision. It, it Travel, economics, business, career, all of that. And God wants to be in part of your entire life. God doesn't want to be stuck in this cubby hole we call Sunday morning church. You know, some of you, and I, I know you're like this because I've been that way, we can put God in our cubby hole of Sunday morning church, 
And we leave him out of every other area of our life and we, put a, 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 we just lock him out of those rooms of business and travel and how to make a profit in our career. And we put, hang a little do not disturb sign. We lock the door. We say, God, I'll keep you on Sunday morning. This is my time. And we wonder why in all those other areas that we've locked him out, it's a living hell. Because when you remove God from something, the only other way it's going to become is hell. That is our reality. And God's saying, I want to be involved in every area of your life because every area of your life, Chris, is spiritual. It's spiritual. The reason why Christians can't leave God out is because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Look at this, verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning, what does that say? Fog. It is here a little while, and then it is gone. First reason we can't leave God out of our plans is this. We don't know what our life is going to be like tomorrow. We don't. I mean, we can say, okay, tomorrow's the 7th. Um, I got to do this. I got to go to the store. And then I'm going to go do this. And we, and we just do our list. But we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. You see, God, and we talked a lot about this last week, from God's perspective. Remember the whole New Year blimp thing? Good Year blimp? Um, well, looking over the Macy's Day Parade, that if you're in the blimp, you can see the beginning and the end of the parade at the same time. God is so high, he can see the beginning and end of our lives at the same time. He knows what tomorrow is like because he's been there. He knows what yesterday was like because he was there as well. And he knows exactly what today is going to bring because he's here as well. He's saying, you need to know, you can make plans. God's not against making plans, but he says this. You need to know something that ultimately, I am in control, not you, and not your plans. It's important for us as Christ followers to be flexible in God's hands. And by saying, okay, I'm going to plan this, but God... You don't want that to happen. I'm going to go a different direction. You know, Jesus tells a story about a rich man in Luke chapter 12. And this rich man is getting close to the end of his life and he's wanting to retire. So he's saying, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm a farmer and I am just, uh, I got grain coming out my ears. So I'm going to build bigger barns with bigger silos. And I am just, I, I, I've got so many, and I'm going to retire. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna expand my empire, my wealth, and I'm gonna retire. And what, as Jesus is telling the story, he says, God says to him, You fool, tonight, what you don't know is tonight, you're gonna die. You're gonna die tonight. I have, God's saying, I have information that you don't have because you've got all of these plans and you're trusting in your stuff. And God's saying, You need to trust in me because tonight you're going to come meet me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't plan your life like you're in control. Plan it like I am in control. The reason why we need to keep God in our plans is the second reason is this. We don't know the shortness of life. You don't know the shortness of life. You know, um... I'm going to read this verse and I'm going to, you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like a morning fog. Some of your Bibles will say a vapor or a mist. It's a here for a little while and then it's gone. 
Have you all ever um, boiled um, water on the stove and with a little teapot and you know it, and it had the whistle come out? You ever tried grabbing that mist and that vapor? Anybody besides me? Am I the only idiot here? All right. Or um, you ever uh, on a cold day and your breath comes out? How long is it there for? Not long. What James is saying about my life and about your life is that our life is brief. Our life is a vapor, a fog, a mist, and that's not a compliment. Do you know how much you're worth? I Googled this. Do you know how much I'm worth? I mean, the elements that's in my body, the stuff that comes from the earth. When I die, do you know how much my body and all the elements are going to be worth? $4.50. Now, some of you, if you're a bigger person, it may be 460. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's about 450. That's how much you're worth. That's how much I'm worth. And we're thinking, well, some of you have a whole lot higher worth than you really are. <laughs> right? Because we think we're all that. But God's saying, no, our time is, is so weird, it's short. It's like a fog, a mist, a vapor. Man, I remember, I, I ended up eating uh, lunch with my middle son on Friday. And we're in Rossview uh, uh, Elementary School cafeteria. And I start tearing up. And let me tell you the reason why. is I see all of these kids come in, and I remember what life was like in first grade. Does anybody else remember that? I was a hellion. All right? Um, But I totally remember how I was as a kid. I am, in like three months, I'm going to be 39 years old. (laughs) Who did it? Come on. I'm just... (laughs) Um, Dead gum. I mean... (laughs) Some of you, and I know some of you are going, that's really old. And others you are going, he's so young. Praise God for both of you, all right? Um, but I don't feel 39. I was talking to my mom the other day, and I'm not going to tell you her name because she's in here and she will kill me. Um, but I said, you know, she, you know, I said, you know, I think, even she, th- I mean, all of us think, wow, I just, where's the time gone? I remember, and I love hearing the stories about my mom and dad and how they met and how mom used to play basketball at Montgomery Central and all this stuff. And I look back and, you know, she is my mom and she's now a grandma, a grandmother. And all of us, if you ask the question, where is the time gone? It's weird like that. It just, it, it's done. And some of you, I like Josh, our worship pastor. He's 25, I think 26 now. And, um... Uh, we always joke because, uh, you know, he was like three years old when I graduated high school. And uh, I don't know how that works out. but uh, and, and he always makes fun. But I always think, blink, and you're going to be 39. Because time is like that. It's strange. It's weird. And that is the whole point of James. Now, some of y'all, you're thinking, you know what? Well, I'm 16. I'm 18. I've got my entire life ahead of me. And you know what? You might. But all of us have a tendency to think, okay, well, you know what? 39 is old, or 40. I'm thinking 40. Thinking 40. I think of midlife. But you know what? 40 is not midlife. If the average age is about 70, midlife is 35, which means I am over the hump. All right? Now, now 
that's just if, if, I, if God gives me 70 years. I may not have any 70 years. We all tend to measure how old we are by our birth date. All right? What we should be measuring how old we are is by our death date. Now, let, let me explain this. If you're 16 years old, then everybody would say, wow, you're really young. But let's say you are 30 years old. And they're going, the 16-year-old will think they're ancient, right? Okay, let's talk about that. If the 30-year-old lives to 90, are they halfway there yet? No, they're not. They're not even halfway there. They still got 60 more years, right? If my math serves me. Um, If the 16-year-old lives to be 20, how old is that 16-year-old? Is, is, is that sixteen-year-old is is that sixteen-year-old over the halfway mark? Mm-hmm. You see, we all have a tendency to say, "Well, I'm I'm young, and I'm going to get serious about this God stuff later." And, and some of you, you you're twenty, twenty-two years old, and you think I have the rest of my life. And you know what? You might, but you don't know what tomorrow holds. You do not know. Some of you have lost loved ones in here that you did not know that you were going to lose in 2009 because you don't know what tomorrow holds. So James's encouragement is you need to get serious about this God stuff quick because you may not have that much time. You You may not have 70 years left. That is so important. God knows something that we don't know. We don't know when we're going to die, but God does. So, all of this stuff, if we, if we shouldn't make plans that way, how should we make plans? Because I don't know about you, I make goals and I make plans. In fact, my dad, who is actually here this morning, he always used to tell me when he would many times take me to school, if you fail to plan, you That's exactly right. And he's exactly right. God's not saying don't make plans. But what he's saying is this. That adage is true. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But hear me. If you you plan and do not put God in that plan, then your plans have already failed. That's where he's going. He's saying make plans. In fact, the Bible says to make plans. Verse 15. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to. Everybody say that. If the Lord wants us to. Let's say it again. If the Lord wants us to, we're going to live and do this or that. You see, God is saying, you can plan. In fact, I'm going to read you a couple of verses that's talking about planning, about how we should. Proverbs 3, 21 and 21, 5 says, my child, do not lose sight of good planning and insight. Hang on to them. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. He's saying you need to plan. Let me give you another one. Also in Proverbs. In fact, I'm just going to go to my application today. I was going to get it at the end. I'm going to go ahead and take you down. You want to know how to apply this sermon? You want to know how to have good business practices? You need to read the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. You can read a chapter a day. Today is the 6th. So you should read Proverbs. Thank you. All right. So Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and then your what? Plans will what? Okay. He's saying, 
You know, it doesn't. Now, we would say, you know what? You need to work hard and then your plans will succeed. No, you need, you need to plan diligently and your plans will succeed. No, sir. This is what it's saying. If you commit your work to the Lord and you plan and you work diligent, then your plans will succeed. There's a huge difference. All right? I love that. Now, what he's saying is, God, okay, I'm going to write all the stuff on my paper because I write stuff on paper. God, here's my plan, and I'm writing it down. But this is what James is saying. If God, if this is not your plan, if you have another sheet of paper with your plan on it, then I am going to wad up my piece of paper, throw it in the trash can, and I'm going to do your plans because your plans are better than my plans. That's what we looked at last week. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember that verse? It says this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are the plans, uh, they are plans for your good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. You know, in this verse, God knows everything, doesn't he? He, he knows what tomorrow's going to look like. He knows how you're going to do on your test. He already knows. He knows how your paper is going to come out. He already knows. So, if he's already been there, trust him because he knows everything. Not only does God know everything, he is everywhere. Everybody say, everywhere. He is everywhere. So, when you, when you get deployed to Afghanistan in, in March, he's already there. When you go and you're having to go to Florida to find a job, he's already there. He is already there. He's everywhere. He's already where you're arriving to. And guess what? God is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. You know, most of our plans don't depend totally on us, do they? I mean, we can make plans at work, but if the people don't show up, or if something happens, something breaks on the job, then you can't get what you want to done, right? Because our plans aren't really dependent upon us. God's plans aren't like that. God's plans are totally, it's on him. He had a plan one day. Let me tell you what his plan was. He came and he says, you know what? I think I want to make something. I think I want to make something. So I am going to make light. And he said, this was his plan. Let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. There wasn't a committee meeting. There wasn't a huddle saying, okay, let's brainstorm how we're going to make light. There wasn't a bunch of people saying, okay, this is how we're going to implement this plan. No, sir. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's his plan. His plan only takes him because he is all-powerful. I mean, I so love that. Some of y'all believe in the Big Bang. I do too. God said it, and bang, there was light. All right? But God is the, he is the beginning of the bang. He's the one who said it. All right. Look at this. Romans 12 too. I love this talking about God's plans. Look at this. You will learn to know God's will. That's just a fancy word of saying God's plan for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you know what God's plan for you is? Look at those three words. They are what? What's the first one? Good. Do you know God wants to, he has nothing but good plans for your life. He has something that, and you may think, well, I think my stuff is good. No, compared to God, God's is better. His is the best. God's plan for you is good. You know what else though? God's plan is what? Pleasing. 
pleasing. When, when you're on a, a hot summer day and you're thirsty and you just and your mouth is just parched, what, what do you want? Do you want something that's lukewarm? Or do you want something, hot chocolate, maybe? Um, do you want, what do you want? What, what is your mouth craving? Ice cold water. I have had those parched times, and, and, I, and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do the water thing. I'm going to go for something else, maybe a Coke or something. And I'll drink it, and I'm like, I just didn't, that really didn't satisfy you know what God's plan for your life is? It satisfies. It's pleasing. It will be pleasing to you. But you've got to do it his way. And the last one is what? Perfect. Now that word perfect literally is, 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 is meaning. The meaning is it cannot be stopped. It can't be stopped. It's, uh, it's like a freight train coming at a thousand miles an hour. Ain't nothing going to stop it. That means if God, if, if it's God's plan for you to live until 70, then you're going to live to 70. If it's God's plan for you to marry him, then you don't ever have to worry about somebody else, some other lady coming in and getting your man. Because that's God's plan. If it's God's plan for you to keep your job, then nothing else, no other person is going to take that away. It's his plan. It cannot be stopped. So many, I think, so many of us are so frustrated because we're doing our plans and we keep on, everywhere we go, we keep on getting blocked. And we're like, what in the world's going on? And God is the one who's blocking us because he's saying, no, you're acting independently of me and your plan is not good. Your plan is not pleasing and your plan is easily stopped. You trust in my plan. Verse 15, what we ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will, what is that? We will live. You know, it's hard to do your plans when we're not living. Anybody understand that point? It's really hard to say, I'm going to do this next week when we're not going to be alive. God, I am so thankful every morning that, you know what? I woke up and I'm alive. So many people, don't, that, that didn't happen. They passed away December the 5th. But God has allowed me to be around on the 6th. So we can't even, we can't even do our plans because our, we, because our plans are dependent upon us breathing. And that is all about Jesus. I mean, some of you, you think you're okay because the doctor gave you okay. You need to know this, that okays can change quickly, can't they? Because you can go back to the doctor and I'm I'm sorry. There's a mass. In fact, uh, um, a, a really godly preacher that I really respect, uh, my wife and I heard him at Catalyst in October. His name is Matt Chandler. Uh, he's pastor of the Village Church in Dallas. They just found a mass in his brain. And this dude is late 20s, early 30s. He just had surgery. You know, things can change so quickly. So trust God. Trust God. Verse 16, otherwise, you are being arrogant and boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is what? That's pretty strong for James to say that. That our plans are evil. But compared to the plans of a good God... Any old plan, even if it's plans that are just wasted on us, are evil. 
and boasting about them are evil. When we're acting independently of him, we are acting evil. One of the things we've had to, as I close, I've had to, still working on my kids because i got three boys, so y'all pray for me. Um, and I'm the fourth, so pray for my wife. Um, but one of the things we have to talk about to our, 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 our children is they'll say, I'm going to go do this or that. Hey, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go ride my bike. Excuse me? I'm sorry. Uh, can I go ride my bike? Sure. Go ahead. Okay, there's a difference, right? Because one, he's acting like he's in charge. He's acting like the parent. And the other one, he's asking permission. Well, you know what? When we choose to do our own thing, we're acting like God. We're acting like the parent. Otherwise, you're being arrogant and boasting about your own plans. And all such boasting is evil. Last verse. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. As we close, I, I want to just make this really, really simple. I was lying in bed about 3 o'clock this morning, and I'm just thinking, okay, this, ser- this sermon is so practical, but how can, it be, how can it be applied to my life in your life this morning? The first is this, that every day that we should plan, but we have to include God in our plans. He doesn't want the leftovers of your life. He doesn't want the leftovers of your time. He wants to be first in everything, is what Colossians 1.18 says. So, include God in our plans. Secondly, stop thinking there is a disconnect between Monday through Friday job and Sunday morning worship. Because the same God that's over Sunday morning... It's the same God that's over Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and through the entire week. Because God is the one who gives us our next day. If we can move, breathe, I mean, that's how it happens. So stop with the disconnect and start running your business, treating your boss, treating your employees, treating your coworkers, treating your customers. Start treating them as if they were Jesus. How would that be different in your life? How would that look? How would that look if you you treated your first sergeant differently? How would that look? Let God be in your life and make your plans revolve around his plans, because his plans are good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, God, that the book of James is so practical in our lives. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that you love us. And Lord, it's in, it's in the details of our life, like planning and goal setting and doing business. Lord, that you are most glorified. You're even glorified more there than even what we do on Sunday morning. How loud we sing or how much we give. Lord, you want to be Lord over all of our lives. Not just a part. Not just a label that we say spiritual. Lord, we love you. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.